Welcome to the ISIP Exchange with me, Lucinda Bowden. In episode 10, we continue to explore the real-life experiences of our colleagues across the international education industry. If you haven't yet had a chance to listen to our earlier episodes, please visit ISEF.com or subscribe via your favourite podcast player today for some fresh insights on how educators are engaging with agents during the pandemic and how students, agents and educators are planning for the rest of this year and into 2021. This week, we're providing agents and educators with a market update from Latin America. As listeners may know, ISEF recently conducted its second virtual event. ISEF Virtual Americas was held from the 25th to the 27th of August. Virtual Americas included a series of webinars for attendees, and we are adapting one of those for today's podcast. Our theme is Latin America, and we are exploring how the region has responded to COVID-19 and also what opportunities are now emerging for recruitment from and among Latin markets. As always, there's a lot to talk about. Our host is Marcela Wolf-Lopez, ISEF's Director of Business Development for Latin America. Marcela is based in Medellin, Colombia, and she is joined today by a panel of experts from across the region. So without further ado, let's go now to join Marcela and the rest of today's panel. Bienvenidos a todos. We are very happy to host today with a wonderful panel that brings about the news on Latin America. What has been the regional response to COVID-19 in this global critical situation? Yet also, we want to bring about a very interesting topic regarding how Latin America has started to become an interesting emerging competitive international destination. The region has been, for many years, a strong source market for the world. Yet, educators are now very interested in the region to also pursue that motivation to recruit students also from Latin America and the world. So we have today a wonderful panel with six senior representatives of the sector. We have two educators, two representatives from the educative sector. First, we have Diana Restrepo from Colombia. She's the executive secretary of the International Education Network of Colombia. Welcome, Diana. Then we have, from Peru, we have Claudia Rodriguez. She is the Vice President of International Relations from Universidad San Ignacio de Loyola. Welcome, Claudia. And from the agency sector, we have Felipe Garces from Colombia, from Annex. Welcome, Felipe. From Mexico, we have William Herrera. He is the interim president of AMTE. Welcome, William. And then we have Gabriela Arbito. She is the president of ARSA, which is the agent association in Argentina. Welcome, Gabriela. And then our sixth panelist is Mauro Guevara. He is the CEO of Study Buenos Aires. Welcome, Mauro. We have two main topics. We will be addressing the COVID-19 response of the region. So we have four countries from the region that are represented today. We have Mexico, Colombia, Peru, and Argentina. And then we will talk about Latin America as an emerging destination. So first we will give the mic to William Herrera so he can share with us how Mexico has addressed this pandemia in the world today. Thank you very much, Marcela. Certainly what we have experienced this year has been something unprecedented and something that probably last year we none of us thought that it was going to happen. I think one of the things that we have first realized at the beginning, probably Mexico was one of the latest ones to get into, into what happened of the, of the COVID. And the response that we have had as AMTE is just to put together everyone in the association. We realized that like us as, as a companies, we had to come together, something like what we're doing right now. And I think what we have experienced in AMTE and many of the companies, we came up with a strategy of surviving first because it was something that we, we thought that it was gonna end probably by summer. And then we realized that it was gonna last probably longer than we all expected. So our first was come together, surviving, getting together as a team, sharing the best practices, knowing what other countries were doing and getting ready for the rebound. We expect that it's gonna be a strong rebound. We have seen that many of the students 
that have not been able to travel or the students have, they keep asking, when can I travel? So we know there's going to be a strong rebound and we have to be ready for that. One of the things that we've done in AMTE is to come together to do some training, to share the best practices, to come together with other region associations such as the ones that are present here and also with other associations within the travel industry within Mexico. So I think seeing the bright side of all this that has happened is that we have come together as an industry even wider in, in Mexico and also within the same companies not seeing each other as competitors but also as a collaborators that we know that being strong everyone is going to help us to rebound even stronger so that's how we presented in the COVID and we were hoping that we've seen very positive signs in terms of interest of the people in terms of some obviously we are very aware of what's happening in other countries especially the ones that we're sending to students and we are hoping and helping our members to be ready when this comes out of this situation. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm really also eager to see what other countries are doing that we can implement in Mexico. Thank you, William. That's very interesting without doubt. I'll give the word now to Felipe Garces from Colombia. Well, thank you, Marce. Situation in Colombia is not different from Mexico. I think it's actually good to know where we are now. We are in the peak of the cases in Colombia. So situation start just uh, moving different to when first the pandemia started. We remain very positive, but the number of cases are increasing day by day. Hopefully we are going to get a, this flat in the curve and after the cases will start going down. Restaurants and shopping malls start reopening, airports start doing some trials to local cities. Airports are completely closed for international flights. We notice that people start getting fed up with being in lockdown. And people start just protesting for this. There is anxiety in the population and people will like to go out. In terms of Annex, it's very similar situation like Amtec. We've been working together. I think this, uh, one of the positive sides of this is that we've been unified with uh, one voice. We've been looking ahead. We've been checking in the market what we have to do to be better and to work together. We train the staff, we train our agencies, and we create a strategy that go beyond Colombia, as William was saying. We are working together in Latin America to try to get a even situation and to help. As I said before, people that I have spoken, this is an opportunity to do things in different way and we are doing it. In terms of the market, so this will probably help the educators. Higher education is increasing and the other ones are a little bit flat. We remain positive and carry on helping the agencies proactively moving forward. Thanks, Felipe. That's very interesting as well. Let's hear it from Peru. What's happening there, Claudia? Well, Peru's situation is very similar to what Felipe has mentioned about Colombia. We have almost the same days in quarantine. Since our state of emergency was declared back in March, there are no international flights. We are only just started a month ago domestic flights. We are working very hard on flattening the curve. But there's a lot of social, psychological behaviors of each one that we have to reinforce. And since our economy is very much informal, people need to work in order to eat. So they will say, I have to go out and just continue working, even though the pandemic is there. For us, UCIL, where I work, Universidad San Ignacio Loyola, for 10 years, we have been working online. We were progressing with technology and training for all the teachers. But none of us knew that from one day to the other, we were going to be transforming to online learning full for everybody. Uh, it was an amazing experience. It was very fast adopted. I would say that the students were kind of saying, it's not the same, what's going to happen with the learning experience really came up with the solution. At the moment of when the pandemic started, I had 160 international students here. We took care of every and each of them. So we knew where they were, what was their health status, if they were fine, if they wanted to go back to their countries, we helped them to arrange these special, special humanitarian flights to go back. 
and we had like a census, like every week, what are you doing? Class. We gave them lots of activities online, like karaoke or cultural night, where they can share their amazing pictures from different, uh, for the countries they were coming from. Also, we had to be very much aware in these times of uh, what was going with the partners. And at the beginning, I remember, I decided not to send nobody abroad for August or already back in March. And people were saying, you're too, you say in Spanish, too maybe concerned. Things are going to get better. I said, I'm reading, I'm reading, and it's not going to take us only four months. It's going to take us longer than that. So I decided very back in March that nobody was going to do an international experience for the second part of the year. And then I started following the emails from my different partners saying that they were open, but down they are not. And it was kind of, uh, I would say, you had to be very much informed and flexible, understanding that the situation was varied. We also offer many programs that we have, and I'm going to explain later in Lima and Cusco, and we have also to suspend them because there was no way to bring the students here. So I would say that's the summary of the experience so far in Peru. Thank you, Claudia. Very interesting also to hear it from the educator perspective. And I just would like to just compliment that for sure, all educators in the region have also closed their campuses and they still remain closed for now. So I'm going to give the mic to Gabriela so she can share the situation in Argentina with us. Well, I will try to give an insight in what's going on in Argentina so far. It doesn't differ much from uh, what Felipe, William, and Claudia have been explaining to us. But, I mean, our borders have also been closed. The pandemic hospitalizations nowadays at their highest peaks. Uh, educational institutions have been closed for the same time. And face-to-face um, -face education has been replaced by online programs which combine synchronic lessons with MOOCs. In our case, Claudia, I mean, not many educational institutions were used to online instruction. So we had to do everything all of a sudden. It wasn't easy to start with. Now, in the second term, things have been easier. This fact that um, education has been online since March and made it really hard for us to promote some of the online courses that our partners abroad started offering when the pandemic broke out. This is one of the reasons. It's not easy to promote online program when you have students all day glued to the computer screen, learning and doing homework. So at the end of the day, they are not willing to also learn languages uh, through the computer. So that was a bit difficult for us. According to our last ARSA research, which was carried out in the first week of August, there is some light at the end of the road. This means that our partners have started receiving some inquiries for programs, not only language courses, but also higher education and study and work programs abroad. 75% of our members said that they started receiving inquiries in the first week of July, and 20% of those inquiries have turned into actual bookings, which is reassuring for the future. So it is clear that the pandemic has not changed the mentality of those who are aspiring to have an international educational experience. And this is why ARSA keeps working all the time in order to maximize the potential of our associates and generate cooperation opportunities that will play an essential role in re-establishing our industry when borders finally reopen and when the vaccine becomes available. Because for the junior sector, for instance, the vaccine is essential. Thank you, Gabriela. You mentioned key issues, without doubt. There are big challenges both for, I mean, for the entire industry, both for educators and agencies, but it's wonderful to learn that the students in the region continue being interested in continuing those applications in their interest and motivation to study abroad and having an ex international experience. And of course that educators have done a good job also doing that shift from on-site classrooms to virtual education. Of course, for all, it has brought also many challenges, but we have to keep being positive. I want to move forward to discussing how Latin America 
also in this situation of COVID-19, but also before, well, kind of has an opportunity and a new trend of becoming also an emerging destination for international students, and especially for those from the region itself. Let's move on. And I invite Diana from Colombia, from La RCI and from Ascun to take the mic. Hi, Marcela. Thank you so much for your invitation. I'm pleased to be here with you and all my colleagues from Latin America. I would like to introduce to you our network, the Colombian Higher Education Network, the RCI. We are a diverse and wide-reaching network of higher education institutions that for over 25 years have nurtured cooperation and partnership between Colombian institutions, the region, and the world. Uh, we are part of the Colombian Association of Universities, ASCUN. Currently, we have 100 member institutions divided into nine regional nodes across the country. Now, we all know that COVID-19 brought uh, with it many challenges and uncertainty to higher education institutions, and especially to international offices as mobility programs were directly affected. And I would like to mention two of our main mobility programs that are sponsored by the National Association of Universities, ASCUN, that actually are exchange programs. They were the uh, major programs in which international students come to Latin America. One, it's PILA, the Latin American Exchange Program. This program is amongst the Argentinian National Interuniversitary Council, SIN, and the National Association of Universities and Higher Education Institutions of Mexico, ANUIES, and ASCUN, of course, from Colombia. And the other one is BRACOL, which is a program that is between the Brazilian Coimbra Group and our National Association of Universities. These programs seek to enrich students' academic and professional training and strengthen cooperation ties among the four countries. They are based on a reciprocity scheme in which higher education institutions offer in-kind or economic support to cover students' expenses during their academic exchange. I would like to share some information with you about these programs. Between 2018 and 2019, PILA allowed 357 Colombian students to mobilize to Mexico and Argentina, and, and 353 students from Mexico and Argentina mobilized to our country. And likewise, during the exact time, BRACOL permitted that 108 Colombian students mobilized to Brazil and 111 Brazilian students mobilized to Colombia. I'm glad to share that the program continues during 2020 second semester, but virtually, of course. Now, during these past months at the RCI, we have emphasized mainly our work in three lines. First, supporting students and faculty on mobility programs abroad to return to the country on the different humanitarian flights. Second, developing our plans and projects that were prioritized after the pandemic started. And third, fostering spaces to share good practices and reflections about the future and to give response to, of course, the needs and challenges of this new scenario. As part of this context, at the beginning of the pandemic, where these type of spaces arose, we as the network submitted a survey asking our member institutions, how could we help them? What were they waiting for us in this time? And we received mainly the same responses. They want first seminars and workshops uh, to exchange good practices. They also wanted some guidance to include new indicators on internationalization to measure virtual mobility and internationalization at home. And of course, they wanted support on the humanitarian flights. So especially on this last line, we found that there were 877 students abroad from 66 institutions from the RCI and ASCUN. Some of them were under critical situations, but fortunately, due to the actions that we implemented, most of these students have returned to Colombia. We also found something very interesting, that Mexico, Spain, Brazil, Argentina, and Peru were the countries with the highest number of Colombian students abroad from our member institutions during the first demo of 2020. There were 397 students in Mexico, 96 in Brazil, 
73 in Argentina and we have 55 in Peru. So this showed us that a different trend on Colombian students' mobility, as mainly our students choose Latin America to story abroad. And of course, at the RCI, we firmly promote Latin America as an academic destiny among our students. Well, this path towards a new internationalization has brought us to new roots. And uh, as a network, this has reaffirmed us as a learning community that deepens regional collaboration. So I'm very glad to share with you that the RCI with some allies in the region, Learn Chile from Mexico, Falbay from Brazil, Fiesa from Argentina, Ready Peru from Peru, and Ampey from Mexico, we have came together as INILAC, which is the Latin American Initiatives for the Internationalization of Higher Education. And we want to advance into action. We are together in this current scenario, a unique opportunities to share our challenges. We seek to join effort to common challenges that we face in order to promote initiatives and proposals that allow internationalization remain. And of course, through comprehensive and an inclusive internationalization, we achieve our common and permanent challenge. Also at the RCI, we found a unique opportunity to launch our 10th version of the Latin American and the Caribbean Higher Education Conference, LACHEC 2020, Rewiring International Education. This has been a fully online event on Hoover, which over the course of three weeks, we started on August 13, and we are finishing the event on August 27, this Thursday. The conference has focused on three main themes, the emerging role of international education, fostering global citizenship, innovation for a sustainable future, and rethinking teaching, learning, and assessment. So we have had more than 900 attendees in the event, and LACHEC and INILAT, these two experiences, has taught us a new way of collaboration, more flexible, of course, uh, where new ideas and new partners has been able and has had the willingness to put together different initiatives to implement concrete proposals and to articulate new synergies. I'm going to be very happy to, to work in a near future with all of you. So we have no doubts that this time in Latin America, we are experiencing a real democratization on, in the, on the internationalization of the regions. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. That sounds wonderful. Without doubt, collaboration has been a key element for all the institutions and for the industry, the sector as a whole, to actually overcome this situation that, as we mentioned before, nobody imagined that we would be living this. So thank you, Diana. And I give the mic to Claudia. Tell us about USIL. How have you been overcoming this situation? And uh, especially, how do you attract students to come to Peru? Tell us all about it. Sure, Marcela. We have a very long-standing relationship with ISEF. I have participated in many of your workshops, the ones you do around EAIE in Europe and also the one in Miami. And I believe it's a great opportunity that USIL has had in the past, uh, I would say, five or seven years to have it. We have learned and your workshops are very much informational with key statistics that we need in order to operate. Of course, we have a large group of alliances, partnerships with different universities around the world. And the base is the cooperation in academics in different uh, areas of our different schools that we have, but also regarding students. Usually the traditional exchange program was you traveling to another country and that university sending you one of his or her students. Well, this year, very quickly, around April, I decided to um, do the online mobility to help and to continue to have this amazing uh, flood of the students coming. So we got, I would say, 80% of the total number that we had before doing online offering of courses. So we were very pleased with that. And it's because UCIL has a very large reputation around with all the students that we have received and the ones we sent. Of course, the very much key in UCIL is that we have in all our study plans like six different levels of English. So our Peruvian students, the regular students, will be finally speaking English at the end when they graduate. So it's very easy for international students to come and join our classrooms and of course, give the online or the internalization at home experience because you're sharing between an international student and a Peruvian student. So the classes are taught in English and we have a Spanish program for them also to develop 
and of course improve their mastery of Spanish. And again, we have a, a club called Fusil Ambassadors, and it's students, current students of us, that are uh, participating in activities that we sponsor uh, for the international students. So they will go to the beach, sometimes they'll go bowling, they'll take a small trips around Lima. And Peru, according to the World Travel Organization, has an amazing score in offering of nature, one side. So we have, as you know, coast, uh, the, the mountains, and the forest. We've got selva here, like the jungle. Plus, also, the cultural immersion. Peru is a very diverse country that can offer you a taste of everything. Uh, even from our Inca time or the other pre-Columbian cultures, our gastronomy, that's now very well known around the world. As an example, during also the pandemic, we started giving online classes, programs, for the gastronomy demand that we had. So it could be tailor-made to the program that they like the group. This weekend, we had a special one for a school that we support at Lucille. And the students in a course called uh, Organización de Eventos, like event management, they will be doing all this production around the, the course. So it's important for us also to mention our entrepreneurship club, which also gives a lot of dynamism to the students if they want to understand how does the entrepreneurship system work in Peru, there you go. And we are very strong also in sustainability, which is another key part that many of the students are interested on. We are still very much trying to move very quickly, dynamically, to really have an amazing offer, not only for the students that were coming or wishing to come for a study abroad for a semester, but also for the ones looking for a shorter experience. Thank you. Thank you, Claudia. Just a very quick question. Um, what is the ratio or the numbers of exchange students versus those regular students that come to UCIL for a short program or a full program? Oh, we receive much more in short-term programs, for sure. Okay. Yes, in a year we could have like 20 of those. Just in Lima, another 20 in Cusco. Yes. Wonderful. Very interesting. Thank you for that insight. Thank you. What do you consider would be the main challenge for educators in the region to attract international students, whether they are from Latin America itself or from other regions? Felipe and William and Gabriela, it's now your opportunity to share with the audience. What is your perspective from your countries and as agents? So I give the mic first to William from Mexico representing AMTE. Thank you very much. Mexico hasn't closed the borders to international flights. We still have some flights on and off to different parts of the countries. It all depends on the receiving countries, but Mexico as a policy has not closed the borders. So right now we have open uh, flights to Europe, to the US, and well, probably Canada. We do have, but the, the Canadians are not receiving. So it all depends. If you really need to, that's the situation in Mexico. In terms of what we're experiencing right now in Mexico is the international experience goes related as well with living abroad and learning another languages. So mainly the focus of the Mexicans are to go abroad and, and to live outside Mexico to learn another language. We've seen that many of the Mexicans that do not speak English obviously are looking into Latin America as another option. And also because the financial situation in other countries, it's much better than going to the US, Canada, or Europe or Australia. Canada is still the number one destination for the Mexicans to travel. It all depending on how many other countries are managing the situation and the pandemic and how they are communicating. Also it's attracting different countries as a destination, such as Ireland right now. I've, we've seen a lot of interest in, in going to Ireland because they have announced that they're opening and they're having classes and they're obviously they're sharing a lot of the information that they have. But still right now, U.S. has seen a significant decrease in the interest. And it also has to do something with the political situation that we have. Canada is still the number one. We've seen a big increase or still a lot of interest in, in higher education. Obviously, with the summer camps and with the younger kids, as Gabriela mentioned, there are other concerns for the parents. So I think that those concerns will be addressed if there's a vaccine or if there's a treatment that is, has been proven to be effective. But right now we've seen that most of the, of the people who are, or students and parents are expecting to travel for high school or summer camps, they are taking it more cautiously than the higher education. We've seen some of these organizations and, the, and, and schools abroad, especially in higher education or in, 
Canada with the study and work that they are been reacting very, very fast in terms of providing online courses. And then when the student is able to travel abroad to convalidate everything that they did online and they can just resume where they were. And that's, I think that's very, very effective and has helped us a lot of, this, of the companies to really promote and still promoting this kind of work. I think that one of my consideration to all the providers is that they have to come up with programs that do provide additional value to what the student can take online. If they focus only on online English classes or language classes, it's going to be very difficult to really compete with other options out there. So you have to come up with content value proposals that can help us as agents to still promote our schools in this time of pandemic. We've seen increase, and I think that we did a review poll with, along with the advisor, and it was very optimistic, I think, that probably 80% of the Mexican agents and what we, they were asked, they thought that by the early 2021, we would be in the levels of the last years. And I think it was very optimistic, but that's the way of the Mexicans and probably Latin Americans. We, we, we tend to think very positively, a little bit more cautious, but kind of give us hope that the, the interest is still there. So we just have to come up with different options, as Claudia was mentioning, in terms of offering other options to our students. Uh, and that comes along with the agents as well with the providers. I think, uh, again, it all, all crises bring us opportunities. And I think that this is the time in when agents, universities, and providers have to come together to bring and, and to think creatively out of the box and come up with different alternatives. In one of the issues that they have also asked, at least in AMTE, we work very closely with the embassies to really know how to, some of the visas are open. You have to present all the information that you need in order to get the visa. And so we just have to work closely with the officials to get the information right on time so we can get most of when the borders open. And basically, that's it. If you have another question, I'd be happy to answer it. William, there's one question that I find interesting, and it's um, because there are some summer programs or short programs maybe in Canada or other countries that if Mexican students are able to go out and if, when they return, do they, have to do, do they have to go under quarantine when they return? Mexico has, this is my personal opinion, but how Mexico government has managed the, the pandemic, it has a lot of opportunities to put it in a mild way. Again, as different as other countries, Mexico has not closed its borders. You're not enforced to a quarantine when you come back. Basically, it's all responsibility to oneself. Okay. Thank you, William. Very interesting insights from Mexico. I uh, will give now the mic to Felipe so he can share his perspective from Colombia on Latin America becoming a destination. Well, thank you, Marcela. I will follow the same line of a brief information about where students are traveling in Colombia, and mostly, well, they are not traveling now, but um, what are the trends? Canada is top, then Australia, and we are putting students, uh, we hope that they can travel by January. So we are all preparing for January. In regards to what we are discussing now, which is about Latin America as a market for us in Colombia, I would like to say to the educators that we have to learn from what works. We have developed a system, a market abroad, like Canada or Australia or UK, which works, which is a tight relationship between institutions and agencies. Agencies play a fundamental role on bringing the students to whatever country you choose. You choose Peru, Argentina, Colombia, whatever, Mexico. We play a massive role on this. And, and we live only from what institutions pay us. So if we would like to develop a sustainable market for Latin America, my first advice is that there is a work that institutions in Latin America will have to do, at least in Colombia, and is to realize that agents all across the globe are playing a massive part on this. So you guys will have to think about commission rates, 
marketing contributions, marketing incentives. I feel that sometimes, at least in Colombia, without, I mean, this is my opinion, we are working independently in this matter and universities are trying to recruit direct and what they should be doing is including this as a fixed cost to get more students. Colombia, for example, is a great destination to study. We know about successful Spanish schools bringing students from all across the globe and we do not see how this cannot be replicated for higher education students. So if we would like to create a sustainable path, then educators will have to realize and understand what is the role that we agents play on this and work together with us. And, and there is a market and there is a whole industry that has been uh, created around this. So that, that's my suggestion. I think there are different opportunities. I mean, as William was mentioning before, one of the things that we have learned during this uh, lockdown and this uh, difficult situation is that we have to think in a different way and reinvent the wheel, if I may say that. Um, follow the economic principle of not having the eggs in the same basket. So for the educators in Latin America and for us, we have to look at every single possible opportunity that we might have. If we are able to send students to Argentina, to Bolivia, great, fantastic. It has to be economically viable and it has to have a logistic chain of chains of production that will allow us to have a very thorough and very easy process. This will be an extra revenue for the universities. They will also have a, a totally a great mix. Uh, students will open their minds, will have cultural awareness. I don't really think the cost I, I think the quality of Latin American education is very high. I believe that. And compared with the cost, then Latin America could be a very, very attractive market. I wouldn't think about uh, Latin American agents sending to Latin American countries. I really think that this has to be a macro strategy where all are looking as uh, institutions and agents to the whole globe. I cannot see why someone from Nepal or India or Japan cannot study here. My message is to understand how the business works, to make it sustainable for the future, to work with agents to have more students, and to create uh, joint strategies that will allow us to bring students to our markets. That will be great. Well, thank you, Felipe. You bring very interesting issues and without doubt, there are great challenges, but also great opportunities without doubt. And I would just like to mention that when we have discussed this, we mentioned how not necessarily Latin America would, go, would come in to compete uh, with the traditional destination and also to bring that segment of the student population that decide to go to the Northern Hemisphere to, to pursue an international experience. I think that there's an opportunity to actually have access to a new segment of the student population that maybe doesn't have the opportunity to go to the traditional destinations, maybe because they don't speak English or another language. And, um, and still in the work market, we need to have these students and the professionals of the future with global skills. So it is very interesting. Thank you, Felipe. And now I give the mic to Gabriela so she can share with us about Argentina. Thank you, Marcela. Yes, I agree with Felipe. We as an association are really young. We started working together with ARSA in 2016. And since then we have tried to make contact with some local language schools with the idea of joining efforts so as to find some sort of balance between the inbound and outbound student mobility in our country because there is no balance at all lots of students go out just a few students come in and that should change we definitely believe that local agents that conform our association can contribute a lot and we are a key i mean we are a key element in in the school's recruitment strategies we should be a key element why because as felipe said before we know the traditional destinations very well 
Why? Because we have been working with them, some of us, for over 20 years. So we know them and we have lots of connections there. Our expertise in these regions could represent an asset to all the school's promotional efforts. Some local schools and agents have started collaborating, but our aim right now is to develop long-term strategies that will gradually generate mutual benefits for both sectors, educators and schools. We have also tried to establish connections with the higher education sector, Marcel, um, Claudia, like you, but so far we haven't been successful in this country. Why? Because when it comes to international recruitment, the higher education tends to do it by means of direct academic collaboration agreements with other universities. So agents are completely out of the question, which is a pity because Again, I believe we can play an important role in position in Argentina and the whole of LATAM region as a study abroad destination, not with the aim of competing with existing ones, but as Felipe said before, to allow for some sort of diversification and expansion opportunities for our industry through our association and by participating in events such as ICEF, we have created a collaborative network of agencies all over the world. And as members of FELCA, the federation that represents agencies from Europe, Latin America and Asia, we can also spread the word and contribute to the generation of brand new business opportunities that will benefit all sectors of our industry, not only at a local, but also as a regional and international level. I think Latin America poses very good quality programs, low costs, I mean, lower than those you can find in Europe or, or in North America for both credits and living costs, because living costs here are also lower than in Europe or North America. Thank you, Gabriela. You bring also a compliment. I mean, the issue about competitive cost is without something that is very interesting and it complements what I mentioned before. I mean, Latin America can offer also a perspective of inclusive internationalization as more students, a larger percent of the student population can actually have access to an international experience. Thank you very much, Gabriela. So we're gonna move forward and thank you for all the, the, the three agent associations to William, Felipe and Gabriela. I think this has been a, a section of very interesting comments and all the opportunities that there are for Latin America, but also challenges. So we need, there's a lot to do. We have lots of work to do, both from the educator's perspective and also from the agents. I think there's great opportunities now also with the global situation today and with the online offer that students actually have the opportunity to have access to the programs without even needing to travel. Without doubt, it's not just a matter of an individual institution defining a strategy and moving forward. We need also an ecosystem that promotes and facilitates and brings incentives to inviting and making the location, the city, the country welcoming for international students. So with this information, I give now the mic to Mauro Guevara, CEO of Study Buenos Aires, so he can share with us what Buenos Aires has been doing actually to promote the city as a study destination. Mauro, thank you for joining us and tell us all about your strategy. Well, thank you, Marcela, and thank you all the people from ISF for making this uh, possible. I have a small presentation that I will divide it in three different parts. I know that I have 10 minutes, so I will be really, really brief, really like short. Uh, the first part is what study Buenos Aires is, what do we do? The second part is about the, the type of international students we receive in Buenos Aires or we used to receive before the, the COVID uh, exploded. And then our strategy to keep Buenos Aires as the best student destination in, in Latin America. First, then, I would like to, to say that Study Buenos Aires is the Buenos Aires city government official public policy for both improving international students' experience and promoting Buenos Aires as a study destination. We also have a commitment to build 
reliable statistic information, and that's our third objective. So promote Buenos Aires as a destination, improve international students' experience in the city, and generate statistical information. We work together with 25 uh, universities, both public and private, from the city of Buenos Aires, the metropolitan area, and the Buenos Aires province. So it's a really big ecosystem, and that's how we work to, to bring more international students to Buenos Aires. Our mission, our goal, is to build a city that guarantees international students support, unique experience and integration with local talent in such a way that they choose to become ambassadors for Buenos Aires and Argentina in the rest of the world. We want the international students to learn about our culture and also to learn and to know uh, porteños, local, local people, which is what, what I think uh, one of the main goals when you decided to, to, to study abroad, right? Now I will go through the numbers. Why, why Buenos Aires decided to uh, set a policy for attracting international students? Well, international students, uh, they have a really strong economic impact in our city's economy. We received in 2018 a bit more than 92,000 international students that had $600 million they left in regarding of student expenses, family and, uh, and friends uh, visiting Buenos Aires and university fees. Those $600 million represent 0.6% of Buenos Aires GDP. So it's an enormous impact that the international students have in our local economy. And talking about those 92,000 international students, we can see that they represent two different groups. The first group is what we call formal students. Those formal students are students that arrive to our, our universities in order to seek for a degree that might be an undergraduate student or a graduate student. Then we have another group that is called what we say an informal student. This informal student has attends to a language school, tango uh, school, a cooking school, for example. They, they attend to what we say a non-formal institution. Also, they attend to our universities, not seeking like a proper degree, but for a short-term experience, an exchange is what we say they are looking for internationalizing their own degree. From this type of student, we receive 69,000 and it's more likely to be a tourist. They have a behave more likely to be a, a tourist than the previous one. And like the numbers here show, it's the core of our international students that we receive in Buenos Aires. Now, where do these international students come from? Well, 80% of our international students, they come from Latin America, mostly from Brazil, from Colombia, from Peru, Ecuador, Paraguay, and Bolivia. And we have then coming from Europe, the main countries are France, Spain, Germany, and Italy. Like I said before, Latin America is really strong and we receive our main students from the region from Latin America. Of course, the, the main country that comes to our programs, it will vary. It's not like the same. For example, we receive more international students from Brazil attending to our language courses than from United States, for example. So this like to show where we stand before the pandemic exploded, right? From study Buenos Aires, we want to promote the city for two types of students. Like I said before, the short-term program students, because they are the main core of our stock of international students, and also the graduate students. We want more graduate students coming here because we think it's a more experienced student that might contribute more with the economical development of the city and also because it represents income for both public and private universities. Remember that in Argentina, our undergraduate degrees in the public universities, they are, they are for free. They are not, we don't charge any international students 
to, to attend to public universities. So promoting the graduate students, we are generating income for both public and private universities. Now, to see where we are, we, we are expecting for next year a drop around 40% in the reception of international students to Buenos Aires. This following the, the touristic trends and imagining an, a moderate drop, right? Imagining a moderate forecast in the, in the drop. This, of course, is constantly monitoring and it will depend whether if we have the vaccine, whether all the protocols that our national government applies for the entering of international uh, travelers and, and so. But in general level, we are expecting a 40% drop. So it's in order to shorten the drop, we will work in two aspects with Study Buenos Aires. First, we will work positioning Buenos Aires as a safe and prepared destination for the arrival of international students. And then we will work to boost the offer for international students to make it even more attractive for them to come. We need that we have to work those two key aspects in order to, to bring more international students. Like I said before, we will work to bring two types of students, short-term uh, program students and graduate students. To boost the offer, we will work in two ways. First, we will develop a scholarship for Latin American students to apply to graduate schools in the universities of Buenos Aires. We are expecting to launch this scholarship in a couple of weeks for the students to start their courses in March 2021. With this, we expect to show our, the offer of graduate courses that we have and to promote our universities. Then we will work with, together with our universities in the development of two types of short programs. What we say work and study, which is something that uh, here my colleagues have said that is an important and demanded short-term program that combines both the possibility of studying and learning from a university and also from learning from a leading company here in Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires is the nest of five of the regional unicorns. Those are business and companies worth more than a billion dollars. So I think we have material to, to make it attractive for the student to come to Buenos Aires. Also, we want to create a program that is called Study and Travel in order to mix the experience of studying in a city with a natural destination of Argentina. We know it's also the trend for uh, tourism and for international tourism. So we want the student to have the possibility of mixing the idea of studying in a major city and also studying in a natural part of Argentina. We have plenty of universities nearby uh, natural destinations. So we are really confident in that we will be able to achieve this possibility. And now, how do we work to position Buenos Aires as a safe and prepared destination? Well, we have two different lines of work. First, we will develop a guideline for the reception of international students together with our universities to seek in order to reduce the stress and anxiety that students might have in this new normal and in the reopening of international traveling. We will tell them firsthand our cities and universities opening plan and also the existing procedures and protocols to enter and remain in Argentina, the city, and to move around the country. This information will be a living document that will be able in our website and that we will promote through agencies, through universities and to the general public for the students to know what we are doing and how we are doing it. Also, we want to create a network of alliances in the development of safe corridors with cities that are strategical for us because they are the main cities that send students to our city. We will promote agreements with these cities to create these corridors that, that will contemplate clear and concrete information about the sanitary process, about the measures, 
that each of the cities has and about the measures that each of the countries has. With this, we expect to bring some certainty in this uncertainty and to encourage students to take a journey in this new normal. We think and we believe that information here is a key asset and us as a state, we need to provide this key information for the students in order to generate this confidence for reactivating the flux of international students coming to the city. We know that we have a lot of work to do, but we are confident that we can do this work together as we have done before, together with the agencies, together with the universities, and together with the national government. We think that we have a lot of things to offer and we are really confident in that we will continue positioning Buenos Aires as the top destination in Latin America. So thank you very much. Thank you, Mauro. I think it's uh, fascinating to see how Buenos Aires has advanced so much in this strategy. One quick question that I have right now, it's do you have the percentage of like the increase of students? You've mentioned 92,000 more or less. So do you have the percentage of increase when Buenos Aires didn't exist and now study Buenos Aires exists? How do you see the impact? We have seen an increase between 2017 and 2018, which is the last data that we have available, around 15% of the international students. Of course, it's a work in progress because we started in 2016. So it will be like showing off to say that we have done this increase because we know that when we promote the destination, we promote it with two years gap and two years like difference. Mm -hmm. So... The moment in which we were hoping to see that, that increase was 2020 and 2021, but this thing exploded. So we hope that we can see the impact of our work in the decreasing this drop that, we, that I have just mentioned. Well, thank you, Mauro. I think it's no doubt and no question about the government the city government, even the national governments having a key role in Latin American strategy and becoming a strong study destination for international students. A quick wrap up, uh, and I would like to highlight, we identified from all the different sections that indeed short programs are, let's say that the best strategy or the largest demand, maybe some students not only from the region, but from the world, sometimes have doubts in terms of, I mean, what is the quality, the, the security, different issues. And I think that short programs from what I've seen, but Claudia shared from Musil a great number of short program students. Mauro just mentioned it as well. Felipe, Gabriela, and William as well mentioned that, I mean, it's a, the short programs are a strategy that allow the students worldwide to come to the region, have an experience and have a perspective and an opinion on their own, if it's safe, if it's good, if it's high quality. So without doubt, this will be something interesting for the educators in the region to continue promoting and doing and also counting on the agencies to work. So I would just like to thank everybody for your participation, for the panelists. You have been amazing with bringing all the insights from the different perspectives, educators, agencies, and the government. I also want to congratulate you for all the amazing work that you've been doing despite this global crisis and situation that has brought different challenges to all of us. And I would just like to finish saying, highlighting that at ISEF, we're offering, we're now also, we've been also affected and we're being developing virtual events. And at the end of September, September 29th, we will be having virtual Latin America. This is an event where we wanna also promote and motivate the Latin American educators to join. Of course, all ISEF events are open, but if you're interested in recruiting students from Latin America, without doubt, this event will be a great opportunity to start exploring the opportunities and meeting the agencies from the region.
Thank you very much for joining us today on the ISIF Exchange podcast. If you haven't already, please do take a moment now to subscribe by your favourite podcast player so you can listen on the go or get automatic updates on when the next episode's available. To continue with the discussion, why not check out our series of webinars at icef.com forward slash webinars, where we have a collection of presentations from renowned industry professionals on topics currently impacting the world of international education. For now, we'll say goodbye and look forward to hosting you again soon on the next episode of the ICEF Exchange.